estrogen and progestin. You all know that they are the female hormones. Um, so the major uh, estrogen is estradiol. And in terms of potency, estradiol is more potent than estrone and estriol, which are other uh, estrogen. In terms of progestin, the major, the principal progestin is progesterone. And then women also have some androgens that are actually um, secreted by the adrenal cortex and the ovaries. And if you see, um, and for the guys actually, so testosterone here can be converted into estrogen. So they have um, a little bit of um, estrogen. But the difference is the quantity, of course, because that's what determines the sexual characteristic um, and the sex. So here is the, the um, chemical structure. So you see very similar to glucocorticoids, mineral corticoids. The difference, again, is their uh, functional groups. Yeah? Is the estrogen produced by adipose tissue structurally different from the estrogen at all? By adipose tissues? It's the same, yeah. So menstrual cycle, everybody in this room I know probably knows their menstrual cycle. <laughs> uh, for the women, of course. Did you see this in Patophis too, or? No. No? Oh. So just, you know, a little uh, refresher. Uh, menstrual cycle usually takes 28 days and there are two phases. The follicular phase, or also called the proliferative phase, which is the first half of the cycle, and then the luteal or secretory phase, which is the second half of the cycle. And so, of course, it consists of a series of um, uterine and ovarian uh, events. Uh, in terms of the anatomy and what are the hormonal changes during the menstrual cycle, first of all, in the ovaries, uh, what's going on during the menstrual cycle. So you have um, the ovarian follicles that uh, ripen, and then on the ovulation day, one of the ripe uh, follicles um, release uh, the ovum. And then after the ovulation, you have the rupture follicle that's evolved to the corpus luteum. And so luteum means yellow in Latin because it's yellow, so um, that's why it's called corpus luteum. And if there is no fertilization, then uh, the corpus luteum atrophies. Now, in terms of the uterus during the menstrual uh, cycle, during the first phase, which is the follicular phase, or also called the proliferative phase for the endometrium, um, just your endometrium gets ready for uh, ligation, which is the attachment of um, the embryo to uh, the maternal um, uterus. So you have an increase of um, the vascularity, an increase of the sickness during the first half of the cycle. And then during the second half, um, you have um, an inc uh, increase of the secretory activity just to get ready in case of fertilization. And if there is no uh, fertilization, then that thickened endometrium breaks down, and that's what is visible by the menstruation. 
and then the cycle starts again if there is no pregnancy. Now in terms of biosynthesis of these hormones, so I'm gonna do like in parallel estrogen, progestin, and um, I will you know, talk about their use uh, overall, and then after we'll talk about a specific use for the uh, menopause, and next week we'll talk about their use in birth control. But I have a few slides just summarizing uh, how and what are they are indicated for. So where are the uh, estrogen uh, synthesized? So the primary um, biosynthesis are the ovaries. And those ovaries are under control of the anterior pituitary hormones, which are FSH and LH. Now during pregnancy, um, there are some estrogen that are uh, produced by the placenta. So these are the sites of uh, production of estrogen. Now this is the full menstrual cycle and you see that you have a different uh, level of estrogen and progestin during the menstrual cycle. So you see that after uh, the ovulation you have an increase in the progesterone level and then if there is no pregnancy, the level drop and that's what is responsible for the menstruation and that LH and FSH are actually the ones that are regulating uh, the production of uh, progesterone. Now in terms of their uh, physiology, what are their role uh, during those different phases of the cycle? Uh, first of all, so the estrogen, they are produced by the ovarian uh, follicles in response to FSH. So then the follicle enlarge, you have proliferation of the vaginal and uterus uh, epithelium. And then also promote the breast enlargement. And I'm sure that in this class, many of you has experienced that feeling <laughs> during the menstrual cycle. So you know when it's occurring. Uh, luteal phase of the menstrual cycle. <laughs> Um, so during the luteal phase, the, the estrogen are produced by the uh, corpus luteum in response to LH. And um, they also maintain the uh, endometrium hypertrophy just to get ready for uh, the nidation. And then at the end of the menstrual cycle, the estrogen level drops and that's why it's also responsible for the uh, menstruation. No, they don't drop if there is uh, in case of pregnancy, but that's why you don't have menstruation also. So in case of pregnancy, if there is no pregnancy, then the level of estrogen just drops. Um, and then following the menstruation, then the estrogen are going to promote the endometrium restoration. So it's just a cycle. Now progestin, what are there? Uh, where are they? Uh, Synthesized, so they are synthesized by the ovaries, and in case of pregnancy, they are produced by the placenta. Uh, the production occurs during the second half, so if you remember that uh, graph, they are produced um, during the second half under the influence of LH. If there is uh, fertilization, then um, if there is no fertilization, then the level drops, and then you have menstruation. If there is fertilization and implantation of the fertilized egg, in that case, you have a production of another hormone, which is called the uh, human chorionic um, gonadotrophin, or 
HCG, which is produced by the trophoblast, and this one um, act on the corpus luteus just to keep uh, going, to keep producing uh, the progestin during the pregnancy. Now in terms of uh, the progestin effect on the endometrium, uh, they convert the um, endometrium from the proliferative state to the secretory state, and at the end of the menstrual cycle, as I said, the level drops, and then you have um, the occur uh, occurrence of the menstruation. During pregnancy, the progesterone levels are still elevated, and actually their function is to suppress the uterine uh, contraction. <coughs> now, the pharmacology of those um, progestin and estrogen, so both of them, they are acting on receptor. Of course, the estrogen are gonna bind to the estrogen receptor, which are also intranuclear and progestin are gonna bind to progesterone receptor that are intranuclear. In terms of estrogen receptor, you have two type of receptor, the estrogen receptor alpha and the estrogen receptor beta. And there are many uh, tissue that actually express those receptors, not only the sexual organs express the estrogen receptor, but you have estrogen receptor in the brain and that's why <laughs> you also experience some mood changes depending on your hormone level during the menstrual cycle. <laughs> um, and that's why some women experience more. Uh, can, can you experience those mood symptoms or other estrogen-related symptoms from eating too much soy? Yes. The, yeah, the, because you have the phytosterols. Yeah, so it can. I get a little wacky if I eat too much. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that some antidepressants are used to help with the more severe of PMDD and so forth. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work on the estrogen receptors mm -hmm. in the brain, how is it, I guess it's working on the dopamine, how is that interacting? Yeah, it's just because, you know, it's going to act on your depression sim syndrome just by, you know, not on the estrogen receptor, but it's going to oh, help. Okay. And actually, no, Yaz and Yasmin are actually approved for those uh, disorders. So they are the only um, birth control pill, and we'll talk about next week, that are indicated to treat those um, disorder. And these are, because the, the progestin that is an, in Yaz and Yasmin, that's the only progestin in those two pills, have an effect, so I guess they are acting on the central um, receptor and then help with the mood uh, changes. Not the PMS, but really the mood disorder, so those of you has those problems, maybe that's a good <laughs> birth control pill <laughs> to consider. So you said they're working the, the progestin and working on the central estrogen? Yeah, that's the only progestin that is approved by the FDA just to treat the mood disorder related to uh, menstrual uh, menstruation, yeah. But we'll talk about this next week when we talk about birth control. Yeah. And again, you know, we are, you know, everybody, like all the women here are more sensitive. Some are going to have, you know, different symptoms, and that's probably why you're more sensitive to a uh, soil product than other one. Um, so estrogen, they are uh, subject to the first path, 
effects so that mean they are metabolized and you need a higher dose. So those, those, those are of course determined during the clinical phases, but because they are uh, getting an extensive uh, first pass effect, their bioavailability is very weak, but they are still given orally. Uh, I guess that's the main comfortable <laughs> way to administer it. There are, we'll see also next week that there are some transdermal patch and there are also the ring. But the most commonly uh, used preparation are oral preparation. But you have to know they have an extensive first pass and would mean also they have a longer half-life. The effect of those estrogens, so of course the first, the primary effect are uh, to promote the maturation of the reproductive, the woman reproductive organ, promote the development of the secondary characteristic in women. Um, they are involved in the physiologic processes related to reproduction. They also have a positive effect on the bone mass, so they are actually protective against um, osteoporosis. And that's why even if they have a lot of side effects, and they will talk also about this, that they increase the risk of uh, breast cancer. On the other hand, they are protective against osteoporosis. And then the metabolic action, they have uh, some uh, favorable effects on the cholesterol metabolism. They increase the good cholesterol and they reduce the bad one. And so, as you know, they also have an effect on the brain and can affect uh, the moon. Um, now, the progestin at pharmacological dose, they suppress the release of LH and FSH. The full understanding of the mechanism of action at pharmacological dose is not fully understood. And uh, they prevent the maturation and the ovulation at pharmacological uh, doses. No, so as I said, I have a slide with the different uh, uses and we'll talk about specifically. Uh, so they are used as contraceptive, but they also use as uh, non-contraceptive for the treatment of uh, postmenopausal uh, symptoms. They can also be used for female hypogonadism, you know, if they don't, female who are not producing uh, enough of estrogen, so they can be used in that case, and they can also, some pills, some birth, yeah? Yeah, yeah it, it has dropped. That's, it, it's dropped a lot since that study in 2001 because of the increased risk of breast cancer. But in some cases, you know, some women still want to use it because, you know, women like to be comfortable <laughs> and they don't want to have hot flashes. So that's, for hot flashes, it's more like a comfort, but it can be used, you know, like for osteoporosis, to prevent osteoporosis, or also um, vaginal uh, atrophy, you know, the prolapse of uh, the genital. If women don't want to get a surgery and get hysterectomy, that can be, you know, our first option at the beginning. So, and we'll talk about, you know, the pro and the cons of using it. But for sure, you know, it's not as much prescribed as it was in the past. Uh, route of administration. So, as I mentioned, oral administration is the most common route, and there are some transdermal, intravaginal, and parenteral uh, formulations. So on, on, in Lenny, you have a table, you can look at 
if you're on, on birth control pill, you can look which one is yours, you can look at the dosage. And also the difference between the um, birth control pill and uh, hormone replacement therapy is gonna be the dose. If you look at a birth control pill, the dosage is in microgram. And when you look at the dosage for hormone replacement therapy, it's in milligram. So that's the difference. Because as a sexually active, or if you're not menopause, you still produce your hormone level, so you don't need as much as a woman who are uh, menopause who cannot produce uh, its own uh, hormone. Now adverse effects, so the most common adverse effect is nausea and GI disturbances, and then of course cardiovascular event, it is known that increase the risk of uh, thrombosis. And then cancer, I have a couple of slides where I will explain the different uh, risk of cancer. Progestin, so their use is contraception, but also uh, non-contraceptive use for um, <coughs> postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy. And then the preparation, you know, there are different um, progesterone preparation. In general, you will see it's, they are easy to, you know, to distinguish between estrogen because estrogen is estradiol, estri you know, you'll see estra and the other one is gest, <laughs> you see gestron. This one is a little bit more difficult, but as long as you know the effects, yeah. Are the, um, the adverse effects of, of estrogens, are those limited to non-contraceptive uses or does contraception cause no, some, some women are more sensitive and they're going to have nausea and, and GI disturbances with pill. And so there are different pills and some have loser, lower dosage. So if they're experienced with GI effects or no, you know, they are nauseous, they can switch to a lower, like a mini pill or one that is uh, better uh, tolerated. Now the... Um, Progestin, the adverse effects, so the main adverse effect is that they, they are teratogenic, and so that's why birth control, you have to stop it once you are willing to become pregnant, as they are totally contraindicated um, during the first uh, trimester of uh, pregnancy. Gynecologic effects, they can cause uh, bleeding, amenorrhea, breast tenderness, depression, and then again, uh, cancers. So now, is there a link between cancer and estrogen? Yeah. Oh, there's a slide for the last. Okay. So, breast cancer is like the concern about the use of um, estrogen and uh, the increased risk of breast cancer. And again, you have to see, look at it in terms of the use of estrogen and progestin as a contraceptive or as a uh, treatment of menopause, because as I mentioned, the dose is different. And so the studies, what the, the study has shown is that if they are used as a contraceptive, uh, there is no increase uh, when they are used in combination with a progestin. And most of the birth control pill has both, uh, estrogen and a progestin. Some pills are progestin only and they are the mini pills, but they are not as um, widely used because they, they can cause um, Irregular bleeding, so again, for a question of comfort, <laughs> women don't want to have a birth control pill where they're gonna have uh, bleeding uh, several times during the month. 
So the most common uh, birth control pill is a combination of progestin and estrogen. So in that case, there is no increased risk. There might be an increased risk of cancer, of breast cancer for women who are older and on, on birth control, still on birth control pill. Now, the big study, the one that was uh, the Women Health Initiative um, in 2002, that's the one that actually the, the trial was stopped because of the increased <coughs> risk of breast cancer and the increased risk of stroke. So that clinical trial was stopped and that's after that study that the use of um, hormone replacement therapy and how it was prescribed as, you know, like the mentality has changed. And actually my mom had, uh, was diagnosed uh, with breast cancer five years ago, and I'm thinking that it was probably related to uh, the postmenopausal uh, treatment. And so that's my <laughs> my guess. It's not, you know, and then some studies shows different things, and if you talk to gynecologists, they have different also point of view. Uh, what I'm thinking is that, you know, as a woman, if your hormone level drops when you are menopause, why do you want to replace it? There is a reason for it. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, again, we like to be comfortable and we want to treat, you know, the hot flashes. And we'll talk about, you know, like um, the use of those um, estrogen and progestin in, in menopause. Yeah? Were there particular kinds of... Um breast cancers that emerge from that, ductal versus liver? It's essentially like hormone uh, dependent, but they, they saw both, you know, they saw the one that are non-herd positive and the one that are herd positive, uh, yeah. No. It's um, estrogen are with progestin. You have progestin only, but you know you don't have estrogen only. Yeah. And then the other type of cancer and the other studies, it's uh, endometrial cancer. So when they, they are used as a contraceptive, um, there is a reduced risk of endometrial cancer. Uh, now the Women Health Initiative um, showed that there is no increased risk of endometrial cancer when they are used uh, in postmenopause women. In terms of ovarian cancer, there is the CASH studies um, that show that the use of oral contraceptive reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. And then in postmenopausal women, there might be an increased risk of um, ovarian cancer when it's estrogen replacement therapy only. When they are used in combination, the risk might be slightly increased. No, yeah, we still have time. So menopause, <coughs> we already <laughs> talked about it, but we are going to develop this um, more. So of course, uh, what does that mean? That means the cessation of uh, menstrual cycle, and then you have a drop of the estrogen. And also in Alzheimer's, there are some studies that are looking into it to see whether or not there is a link with uh, the drop in estrogen level um, in women, but nothing is, you know, really, uh, and there were some clinical trials, but nothing has really worked, so it's still question mark. Um, menopausal symptoms, so because of the um, drop of estrogen, you have hot flashes. And so urogenital, uh, there is a typo there, atrophy and uh, bone loss. 
And these symptoms are also going to vary from one woman to another. You also have a drop in androgen, but you still produce some um, estrogen and estradiol from the adrenal gland that comes from the androgen because androgen can be uh, converted into those uh, estrogen, but of course the level is way uh, lower than um, before menopause. The therapy uh, is to give physiological dose of, yeah? So physiological dose of estrogen alone or in combination with progestin and we'll talk about what is still recommended for a woman who wants to have the therapy. So here is the risk versus the benefits. When considering hormone replacement therapy, what do you want to consider? Uh, the benefit is to release uh, the vasomotor symptoms, so relieve the hot flashes. Manage the orogenital atrophy, so as I said, some women might experience this atrophy and might need hysterectomies, so to prevent this, that's a reason that hormone replacement therapy can be considered. Prevention of osteoporosis, that's another um, you know, beneficial effect that can be considered when you know, deciding whether or not um, a woman wants to have hormone replacement therapy, and then prevention of colorectal uh, cancer. Now the risk is cardiovascular events because the dose you have higher risk of developing cardiovascular disease, higher risk of stroke, pulmonary embolism, deep venous thrombosis. Endometrial cancer, we showed that some study actually there is no significant increase of risk breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and um, urinary incontinence. So that's the risk versus uh, the benefits. Now there are some contraindications. So if a woman um, was, um, as an history, uh, if a woman has breast cancer, of course, like for my mom, once she was diagnosed with breast cancer, she was uh, take off from the, um, from the, from the treatment acute liver disease because of this estrogen has an effect on the liver uh, enzyme. Endometrial adrenocarcinoma, active thrombophlebitis, and then if it's an undiagnosed uh, vaginal bleeding, this uh, hormone replacement therapy is totally contraindicated. Now, the relative contraindications, so history of breast cancer, in my case, do I want later on, do I want to be on hormone replacement therapy, know that I have, there is a history of breast cancer in the family. Um, endometriosis, migraine, headache, history of thrombophlebitis, and hypertriglyceridemia. Now, it's important to consult the patient, so to explain what are the risks, what are the benefits, if they really uh, need the therapy and what are the alternatives. And uh, so the alternatives are the uh, phytosterol, so the soy product, and there are also some plants such as the black cohosh that actually can reduce the hot flashes. Doesn't have any effect as a, an estrogen itself, but can help with just the hot flashes and in some case that can be sufficient um, to live with um, the symptoms. What are the preparations that are used for hormone replacement therapy? So there are three different types 
what I want you to know is to know like the three different types. First one is um, conjugated estrogen. And these are actually isolated from pregnant <laughs> Mary's urine. <laughs> That's why I have a picture there. Um, and so those equine estrogen are actually, uh, so equiline is the equine estrogen and it's converted um, to testosterone and then to uh, estradiol. Um, and then gonna have its estrogen uh, effects. And this um, equiline can be used in combination with a progestin. And so you will see it's, pro it's, you know, it's very common. When I was a pharmacist, that was the most uh, sold preparation. Premarin and Prempro, these are you know, the most commonly used uh, prep. Now you have some uh, estrogen only preparation. And uh, some can be used um, like topical. So they are uh, either vaginal cream or they can also be used uh, and applied on the, on the skin and then the estrogen is um, delivered. The one that is the most commonly estrogen the prescribed is the este, um, ethinyl estradiol. And now you have the soy product. So, Soy product contain what is called the uh, phytosterols, and these have some estrogen property, and so that's also something for my mom, for example, it's totally uh, contraindicated for her to have soy product because of the of the of the effect. They have estrogen effect, and actually some studies have shown that in Asian population where they eat a lot of soy product, either soybean or tofu or soy milk. <laughs> Uh, this can have a protective effect on, uh, on the breast tissue. And the third uh, preparation is just an estrogen, which is not the equiline, it's just a synthetic prep of estrogen in combination with a progestin. And um, this is Actibella, which is estradiol and another um, noroethindrone. No, the <coughs> regimen. So that was one of the questions. What are the recommendations? So if you know, a woman really wants to have hormone replacement therapy, um, the recommendation that they should receive an estrogen every day, and if they still have a uterus, then they have to have a progestin. If they don't have a uterus, then they just get estrogen uh, only. And as I said, it would be you know, indicated for the prevention of osteoporosis, and yeah. Are there estrogen receptors on the, the bowel lowering? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can check. <laughs> and the regimen, so there are two different types of uh, regimen, continuous or sequential. And so you have to know what is the difference between continuous and sequential. So continuous, that means a woman is gonna take a progestin and an uh, estrogen during the 28 days of the cycle. And in that case, they have no monthly bleeding. And the sequential, uh, the woman will receive an estrogen. So the first sequential once she receives um, the estrogen for uh, 28 days, and then the, um, the progestin is actually added on the 14 days of the menstrual cycle, or there is no menstrual cycle, but just to um, 
match the regular menstrual cycle. So you know that after the 14 days after the ovulation, that's when the progestin level increase. And so in that case, a woman will receive the progesterone after the 14 days. So she has 14 days without progestin and then 14 days with the progestin. That's the first regimen. And then the other one is estrogen every day and then she gets uh, the progestin on a re repeating cycle, three day on, three day off. And with those sequential treatment, they will have uh, monthly bleeding. Now osteoporosis. I have a few slides, I think we'll, we'll be done by <laughs> Osteoporosis usually is associated with postmenopause as well. Uh, so it's the most common disorder of calcium metabolism. It's result from a low uh, bone mass and increase of bone fragility. Primary prevention is calcium. Vitamin D, but of course to get the vitamin D uh, active, you need to have uh, UV light. Otherwise, if you take just vitamin D and it's not converted into its active form, there is no point of it. And then lifestyle. Exercising actually can prevent uh, osteoporosis. Diagnosis. So these are the methods that are used for the diagnostic of osteoporosis. And these um, figures illustrate the remodeling of the bone. So you have your bone and then the cells that actually uh, resorb the bone are called osteoclasts and the one that are building the new bone are called osteoblasts. So seeing blast building and then the other one class are the one that resorb the bone. And so the osteoblasts are gonna uh, deposit um, these osteoid and then you're gonna have uh, the calcification of uh, the osteoid. Now the estrogen, they regulate the uh, osteoclast, so that means they inhibit the resorption of the bone, and in that way they promote uh, the bone formation. Now the different um, therapy for osteoporosis, they are divided in two main uh, classes of drug. You have the one that are called anti-resorptive, therapy, so the one that are gonna act on the osteoclast, and then you have the one that promote the bone formation, which are the one that are acting on the osteoblast. So when you study, just you know, make sure you know the one that binds to the osteoclast or the one that act on the osteoblast. For the osteoblast, there are only one, it's called Fortio, and just increase their activity, so it's increase the activity and increase the bone formation. Now the anti-resorptive uh, therapy, you have the estrogens, as I just mentioned, they are um, inhibiting the activity of the osteoclast. Raloxifen, we'll talk about it next week when we talk about the terms with, which are used for the treatment of uh, breast cancer. But you probably see the commercial of Evista on TV or... <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about the mechanism of action um, next week, and then the biphosphonates, this one is also on TV all the time, Boniva. <laughs> uh, so they kill the osteoclast, which means, you know, if they uh, reduce the breakdown of the bone, they increase the bone mineral uh, density, and that can increase uh, by two or three percent uh, per year. So the one you have to know, it's Boniva, Ibendronate. 
and they are both um, given ferrous, but they have a poor um, bioavailability. And then you have calcitonin salmon, which is similar to our calcitonin, to the human calcitonin, but it's just derived from salmon. And it's an intranasal spray, and the, um, the effect is just to um, inhibit the activation of the um, osteoclast and then reduce the bone resorption. So just divide them into two classes, the one that act on the resorption and the one that act on the formation. And that's it. So we won't have time to do eye clicker question, but we'll do it next week. Yeah. Any question? Um, just a quick